Praise the Lord, it's chat time. Yes, praise the Lord, it is chat time again. Now this week we will continue our discussions of current events and scriptures. Praise the Lord. So I want to start a topic. This article was sent to me some time ago by someone and we never talked about it. And I think it could be a little bit of a controversial topic. It came from the website Compelling Truth. Org. And it says, are Christians saints or sinners or both? And so the article starts out by saying, let's begin by defining what a saint is. Throughout Apostle Paul's epistles to various churches, he addresses all believers in Christ as saints. And they refer to Romans chapter 1, verse 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, Philippians 1, verse 1. But I just want to read one Maybe just one verse out of all the. So what have you got there? Romans. Let's go to Romans. Romans chapter 1, verse 7. Romans chapter 1, verse 7 says, 
to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, I don't know if that necessarily means that all believers are saints. I don't know if that... A saint is a person... It says in this article, a saint is a person who has been chosen and set apart by God, is justified by faith in Jesus Christ, is sanctified by the Spirit of God, offers their lives in sacrificial service to God, and pursues holiness in both motive and practice. Now, I know that there are uh, saints in the Catholic Church, that are that they aren't. I don't know what they. I mean, they're, 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 they're you know. That's like a different concept, um, because I remember talking to someone who's Catholic, and she said, she said, so you consider yourself a saint? And I said, yeah. And it's like if you, and I know this person gave this definition, but once you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you are a saint. He said there was none prophet greater than John the Baptist. He said, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. So, once you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you become a saint. And so, um, to have somebody declared a saint because you feel like uh, what they've done in the, in the Catholic Church, that they have done exceptional deeds or uh, miracles or whatever that has set them apart from what they consider to be your ordinary believer, that's, that's not the same as when the Lord says, all those who believe and have received his, and received his spirit, they are saints. So what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, it says, But ye are cho a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And see, and they might have been confused because when Paul was talking about how he received salvation and how he was converted, he referred to himself as a... a Sinner. What he was saying was that he was uh, saved, but he referred to the state that he was in. He was a sinner. So I'm thinking that's how sometimes the controversy that people will say, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And sometimes uh, they'll say, you're a sinner, but you've been saved. But you are yet, some people believe, yet a sinner. But you cannot be in your sins. And... and and can you say, yes, without God, stripped of, of his spirit, of his grace, of his mercy, stripped of salvation, I'm a sinner. But as long as you have the spirit of God within you, you're saints. So Romans 10.10 says, Romans 10.10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, I think that's different than just, I think that's different, in my mind, that's different than just 
believing, a believer in Christ. Because it says that you have to believe unto righteousness, confess with your mouth, and become saved. I mean, it talks about actual salvation. And salvation is receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right. I mean, it, it, there are millions and millions of people who are out there who believe in Christ, but they don't follow. They don't, to the, they're not, uh, they don't believe unto righteousness, which means to me that you believe to the point where you're not going to commit any sin. You're not going to cuss. You're not going to swear. You're not going to steal. You're, you're not, not going, going to do anything that's contrary to the will to of the God word. because the Holy Ghost is there to keep you. So um, I think that's different. And so this article goes on to say that each and every true believer in Christ is a saint. But I don't know if they don't define true believer. There are no classes in Christianity where some are saints and some are common. You know, that reminds me of royalty. There's a commoner and there's royalty. Yeah, but I don't know what that individual is talking about. It's like he's making a difference. Between... Well, I think he's, he's referring to Galatians. He cites Galatians chapter 3, verses 27 to 29. Galatians chapter 3, verses 27 through 29 reads, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For all ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Okay. So that's what he, well, that's how he's saying. There are no classes in Christianity, but there are no, some are saints and some are commoners. It's all. It's all one, right. There's, right. Yeah. He's just, he's saying everybody is the same. But I don't know what this person is actually saying. Well, see, I think when people get confused because uh, when, when Paul said, uh, when he was trying to give people a, a feeling of what it's like to have sin, the great sin, and then you be delivered, he said, and I thank God, I mean, this is in First Timothy, and it's in the first chapter, and it's around the 12th verse. It says, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all exception that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. So he put himself like in the, the present tense. What he was saying was, I am the chief of sinners when you compare me to what I did. And so some people say, well, is he a saint or is he a sinner? No, he's a saint, but he's trying to tell you that what the state that he was in, he was the chief sinner. And it's historical, so but it's still a fact. He is 
when he compares himself to all the rest, he feels like he is the chiefest of sinners. And if you have to compare what this... Meaning the worst of the worst. Right. That could possibly be bad. Right. And that God delivered him. But that it doesn't change the fact that he was in his sin. And so therefore that made him the chiefest of sinners. That's what he was saying. So some people try to say that you are still a sinner, yet you're saved. You are. You can't erase the fact that you were all. We were all counted under sin. But once the Lord saves you, you're no longer a sinner. So when Paul said he was chief, he didn't mean I'm a chief sinner in the sense I'm still sinning. He meant I was the chief sinner that God delivered me. But compared to everybody else out there, you know, I'm I'm the biggest one of all. That's what he's saying. You know, there are a lot of people that say that you know that they do. They do well. They do. I'm doing well. I'm. I do good. I. They. You know, I'm. I'm just as good as the next person. I'm just as good as anybody. Any saint in church. You know. But that's and, not how it's counted. You know, Cornelius, his alms came up before the Lord. His prayer came up before the Lord. The Lord. This is one thing about the Lord. If you do good, God will acknowledge you for what good you have done. And Cornelius's acts came up before the Lord as a memorial. So he was, he was really something when it came to charitable works out of love, not out of trying to be seen or hypocrisy. He, he really cared about the people. And his prayers, the Lord heard his prayers. His prayers came up. And he was of the Italian man. He wasn't even Jewish. And the Lord, this was saying, doesn't matter who you are, God will acknowledge your faith. He said, but he told him, there's something that you ought to do, not might do, not maybe do. He said, there's something that you ought to do, that you have to do. So he said, you're going to have to send for uh, Simon Peter. He said, you're going to have to send for him. Because out of all his good works, out of all his fervent prayers, which the Lord acknowledged, if Cornelius had never sent for Peter, he would have died in his sin. So people can, can pray. They can do good. They, they can have a clean heart as much as they know to have. Mm -hmm. They, um, and even if you don't drink or do drugs or kill anybody or swear. It or, just makes you, like the Lord said, you're not the chiefest of sinners. That's all. That's all that it makes you. You're not the chiefest. You're not the worst. <laughs> yeah, and I was thinking too, uh, I was thinking too. You know what Titus 3 and 5 said where it says not by works of righteousness that we have done but according to his mercy God saved us and by the washing of the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost so you have to be renewed and you have to be washed through the Holy Ghost because you know right. as the word said you can give your body to be burned you can do all the great things and all the charitable things that's community service, but that's not salvation. Right. You're going to have to do like Naaman. You're going to have to do what's required and what the Lord... And he doesn't, he doesn't condemn a person for doing those good things. He does not. He will acknowledge that. But you still have to go to the Lord. You still have to believe on the Son of God. You still have to repent and acknowledge that he died and that... Well, there are people sins. that do that. Not unto salvation. Because if they did it unto salvation, they would receive the Holy Spirit. So you have to repent and you have to acknowledge that the Lord is and you have to willingly just submit yourself. Now how do you know that you receive the Holy Spirit? 
when the Holy Spirit falls upon a person, you will have evidence. You will speak in tongues. How do you know you yet have the Holy Spirit? Your fruit. You know, so if you, there are people who have gotten saved, but you can tell they're not saved any longer, not because they're speaking in tongues. That doesn't make you saved after you have received the Holy Ghost. I mean, because you could be speaking and your fruit could be rotten if you have stepped out of the will of God. So the Lord said, how do you yet know by their fruit? Because every saint you meet, you haven't, you weren't there when they first received the Holy Ghost. But like, but like the uh, uh, Peter and them said, can any forbid them water to be baptized, seeing that they spake in tongues just like we did? They were amazed that the Holy Ghost has come even unto the Gentiles. So when a person has professed that they are a saint, you can tell by their fruit whether they're a saint or not. You can tell by their fruit whether or not they have received the Holy Ghost if they've known God in that spiritual way. You can actually tell it. So much so that when they ran into the disciples who were baptizing according to John's baptism, they could tell there was something lacking. They could tell that they were fervent, they were, they were sincere, but they said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Because the, the, the spirit that they had didn't identify with them as having received it. And, they, and what did they say when a person really wants the truth? I'm just as saved as you are? No. Uh, Lord hears my prayers just like he hears your prayers? No. They said, I didn't even know there was such a thing as the Holy Ghost. Like, what is the Holy Ghost? And then when they explained to them, they received the Holy Ghost. So when a person is truly looking for the truth, they're not going to argue with you because when you can see that they're lacking something and you don't want them to be deprived of the greatest gift that they can have ever, if they truly want it, they're going to receive the Lord. They're not going to argue with you. So, so what I would suggest for people is that, if, you know, when you pray, you tell the Lord that if the Lord has more for me, if, Lord, if you have something more for me, if there's more for me, then bless me, bless me to see it, bless me to know what to do, bless me to receive it, bless me. And say, Lord, bless me with the Holy Spirit. Because I told someone that, and they said they, they had Jesus, and I said, well, if there's more, ask the Lord if there's more. He said, how can you have more than Jesus? <laughs> and, you know, looking at this person, I said, boy, this person is like a hard nut to crack. So, it's like, you tell them, just tell the Lord, Lord, bless me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, some people say, I, I, I believe I have the Holy Spirit. I said, well, then, ask the Lord again. Say, you know, and, and be humble enough to say, Lord, if I'm wrong, then show me. Well, I think even the Catholic Church recognizes they don't talk about it, but they at one point recognize because there is such a thing as a charismatic movement within the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. And in that charismatic movement, they have their own services at different times, in the evening at different churches, and they talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they talk about praising the Lord, and they talk about, some even give little classes when you go there and they talk about I mean and you can see people uh, speaking in tongues and, and people interpreting what, what someone has spoke when they spoke in tongues and, and so the Catholic Church does recognize it they haven't they, they recognize it sort of informally though right informally they don't, they don't come out and say this is what you should do this is what's necessary. 
Right. You know. and, and, see, you know, and that's I, a shame. It is. And just like uh, even though the gospel started with the movement in Jerusalem and it spread abroad, like this Jewish person said, you, you won't find the New Testament. You won't find them teaching about Jesus. He said it's not like they hear it and they just said, you know, I'm, I'm not receiving it. He said it's nowhere to be found, like in your Orthodox communities. They he said that some of them, it's the first time they ever heard about Christ. And so they had this movement going where, they, where they're introducing the Messiah to the Orthodox Jews so that they can have a chance. Uh, and Isaiah, the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, is the forbidden book. They're, they're not uh, really encouraged to read it. As a matter of fact, they're discouraged. They're, they're, it's called the forbidden chapter within the book of Isaiah because it talks about the Lord and receiving salvation and the Gentiles being grafted in. What chapter is that? I, I believe it's 50. Isaiah 53? Yes, they consider it to be the forbidden chapter. Well, moving on, this article continues and says that there are a few different ways in which the Christian sainthood can be viewed. All Christians are saints and all called to be saints. And all who? All are called to be saints. All, all Christians are saints? Well, the Lord said many are called, few are chosen. All can fall under God's grace. All are given the opportunity to receive salvation. But some, the Lord said, many are called, few chosen. Well, here, he, he goes on to say in Paul's letters to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians is addressed to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Yeah, those who are submitting to the Lord. Because there are some, the Lord says, they not only haven't, they haven't repented, they never even entered their mind to repent. It's like they want no part of the Lord. So many are called, few are chosen, but all all are welcome. So it says, what does this mean? It, it says, all Christians are righteous and holy in God's sight through faith in Jesus Christ. The Christian's sins have been washed away and the righteousness of Christ has been credited to him or her. A Christian's legal or positional standing before God is that he or she is declared righteous. In this sense, Christians are saints. Right. I mean... All people who are saved are saints. I think the way they have put everything under the same umbrella when they talk about what's a Christian, you know, uh, that's a matter of confusion. Yeah. Because they will tell you, well, you say you, you know, you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, I do. You believe he rose again. Yes, I do. Oh, then you're a Christian. No, that's, you might be on the, brink of believing, or you might be a believer, like even it, Satan believes and trembles, but until you submit, and this is why the Lord said, you might not even be the chiefest of sinners, and your prayers can come up before the Lord, and your alms can come up before the Lord, but you have to come to the Lord and humble yourself so that he can wash you spiritually, so he can wash you and make you whole spiritually. It's necessary for him to actually uh, give you a rebirth. 
And unless he is able to uh, make you new again, to convert you and make you whole, then you won't have any part of him. And that particular step, people seem to think, isn't necessary, and it is. You have to be recognized. Your spiritual DNA is the Holy Ghost. Without that, the Lord said, you're not a mine. So um, it's, it, it says that, you know, further on, it says that you have to be free from the practice of sin. And I know a lot of people say that they can't be. It's impossible to be free from any kind of sin. That's you know, a because lie. You just, you just can go ahead and... No, that's a lie from the pits of hell. That's, that's Satan telling because people Because if that you, you have the Holy saved. Ghost and, and you're about to do something or say something that you know is not right... The Holy Ghost will put you in check. You'll, you'll get that feeling. You'll get that... You'll, it'll stop you. Yes. It'll stop you in your tracks and then you'll shut your mouth... Or, or right. you stop whatever you're doing, yes. and then and then you just right. You can live saved. You can live holy every day. The enemy tries to tell people that they're not, and the reason why a lot of people believe that you can't is because they fall short of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Someone has not told them that in order to be saved, you must receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So for everybody listening, I suggest that you research scriptures and try to look up scriptures about the baptism of the Holy, about salvation, about... Um, and pray and say, Holy Lord, Spirit. I want to be saved. Right, and ask the Lord to save you. Yes, praise the Lord and let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Now, today's verse of the day comes from Titus 3 and 5. Not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Now, ain't God all right? God is all right. Praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was, what is it that no man can tame? The answer is the tongue. And that answer can be found in James chapter 3, verse 8, which reads, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. This week's food for thought is, What verse in the Bible is repeated again, word for word. Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought.